HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hi there, I'm Yom, host of Item 13, an African food podcast. I'm excited to be joining the Heritage Radio Network this year as we kick off our fourth season of the podcast. On Item 13, we cover all aspects of the African food ecosystem. You will hear West Africans squabble over who has the best jollof. News flash, it's Ghana. It's time to celebrate our jollof. Like we are done with comparing who and who did what. Yeah. And jollof is not just about even the rice, it's about the protein that goes with it. Guests share their expertise on African food ingredients and spices. This is a region where, you know, even if you look at 18th century maps, you know, you had something called the pepper coast. Fresh and aromatic peppers. That is what distinguishes West Africa. Tips on marketing food businesses. A good way to engage your audience is to take them on that journey. You know, get them talking about this idea you have. That way you're engaging them. They're engaging with each other. And you're getting useful insights that you can then pull from and use to develop your recipe. This season, my goal is to focus on more stories outside of English-speaking West Africa. So you'll hear stories from Benin, from Uganda, Liberia, and even Haiti. You'll also hear us discuss the impact of the Black Lives Matter movement and how COVID-19 has impacted some of the businesses featured on the show. You can catch up now on previous episodes of Item 13, wherever you listen to podcasts, and join us this season as we debut on HRN. Thank you. This is a family show. This is life's banquet. It's a family show. So bring your family around the old the old radio and get ready to hear about some dumb, dumb, meaningless blabber from <laughs> me, Zara Tangora. And me, Nicole Bailey. Oh, Nicole is joining us from from Indiana. And the, yeah, and right I'm outside. Podcaster at large. Yeah, podcaster at large, Nicole Bailey. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good. 
how are things in in Indiana, the Hoosier state? Well, I've been here for 48 hours only, so everything so far is fine. So far, so good? Yeah. As my dad used to say, just kidding, everybody says that. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So yeah, Nicole moved, for anyone who doesn't know, Nicole moved uh, to Indiana, where she's from, Indianapolis, and I miss her very much, and I've just been basically sitting in my apartment and looking at the wall and uh, sobbing, (laughs) making a shit ton of, have I made a a lot of babka this week? Yeah, the answer is yes, absolutely. I have been nonstop (laughs) cooking. I am up to my ears in babka. And let me Are tell you, you tired it, of not <laughs> Are you sick and tired of living a life with no babka? <laughs> N- Nicole, do you like babka? I I'm gonna go ahead and assume you don't. Yeah, I'm fine with it. You think babka's all right? Yeah, I didn't like grow up eating it, so my first exposure to it was, you know, not that long ago as a grown. Yeah, you didn't have baby babka. I never, to be honest with you, I really maybe have had babka like once in my life before I made it this weekend. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I. it is a Jewish thing, but we didn't grow up really eating it either. I always just looked at it mm, the same way as I look at a chocolate croissant, which is no thank you. I don't, but I think it's fine. But it's not as flaky, right? It's more cakey, bready situation kind of. It's more of like a brioche dough. And then what you do yeah. is, like, if you want it to be good, you put simple syrup over the top of it so it gets nice and moist, which I know is everyone's favorite word, moist. How do you feel about the word moist? Do you hate it? I have no opinion on it. Do you have any words that you don't like? Yeah, but I can't think of them right now. <laughs> Besides babka? <laughs> Babka's a cute name. Babka is very cute. It's adorable. Um, but I made a bunch of them. I made a chocolate one to bring to friends and family. And then I was commissioned from my Instagram photos, which seemed to be bringing in the bringing in the dollars for old Zara. Um, yeah, that's what, the, that's what the teens do. The teens are, are right. They're onto something. But anyway, so then I got commissioned to make a couple other ones. And uh, I made a cinnamon and another chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. You do a lot of twisting and braiding. What kind of stuff? So listen, I want, so today we're going to do a surprise episode. And my plan was to surprise you with uh, an Indiana episode. I was going to research everything about the Hoosier State and tell you facts that you may not know about your own hometown of Indianapolis. <laughs> um, but then I became distracted and I found things that were kind of interesting, but maybe not interesting enough. And then... I just decided to go a different direction, but then also something else happened, which is that my refrigerator last weekend started to kind of putz out a little bit. Yeah, you had some stuff stored at the neighbor's. Exactly. I had to store some stuff at my neighbor's house, um, and it didn't totally die, but I was, it was concerning me, so I called my landlord. I had a very old fridge, and he was very nice, and he ordered me another one, and it arrived today, and it's a fridge for fucking babies. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> like... So it's really short and full of formula? (laughs) Yeah, it's full of breast milk. It came packed to the brim with breast milk. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, And baby food and babka. It is so small, and I cried. And I know that's ridiculous, and there's so many worse things in the world, but it just, it was kind of like I couldn't handle it. 
I was like, this thing is so small. Well, because I like, you know, cater from home. So. I do, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I had to throw out a bunch of stuff and it well, was what a is debacle. It? Do you just have to keep living with that refrigerator? No, I'm going to just return it and just pay the difference for like a bigger one. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, everybody pray for me. No, just kidding. <laughs> Send your thoughts and prayers. What's up with you? What have you been doing this 48 hours since you've been in in uh, um, Indiana? Well, I made fajitas today. Ooh. Because I get home from work at like 4.30 and he's really hungry. So I like had dinner almost ready for him when he got home. That's awesome. And they were turned out really good. I've never made fajitas before. What kind of fajita? My mom says fajita. Not even fajita? No, she says fajita. Hmm. And w- unironically, she just pronounces it fajita. Hmm. So, um, I was up, Bobby? That, I was saying it like that comically earlier. Mm-hmm. No, uh, Bobby says just, it really. They're just chicken ones with peppers. And I marinated the chicken for an hour or two. Nice. Is that how people in Indiana talk? Do they have an accent? No. They don't hmm. have an accent. We're in, not in the South. Right. I know, but like Midwest, Midwesterners tend to have like their own brand of stink, don't they? Like their own kind of accent. Um, I don't know. I mean, people from like Minnesota or whatever do because they're so close to Canada. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I've seen Fargo. Yeah, um, exactly. Amazing. And what? where did you stop along the way to drive? Did you stop and get anything fun to eat? Did you have a good pile of car snacks? What was that like for you? Well, it was really difficult to get everything into the car. That was really hard. Um, and I'm amazed my sister and I didn't murder each other, but somehow we didn't. Um, That's good. I had to leave some stuff behind, and that was very sad. Um, what did you have to leave? I had to leave my lamps that I really liked. And no! It just wouldn't fit in the car. Um, I'm sorry. Then we stopped in Pittsburgh. So we took the off-highway way, which adds... Because on the highway, it's about 12 hours. Off-highway, it's about 18 hours. So, hmm. But it's really worth it because it's so pretty. Scenic. Uh, you drive right through the heart of Trump country. Um, I bet. Did you do some leaf peeping? Well, yeah. You, I mean, there were trees. <laughs> well, you pe- and I'm assuming you peeped at them. So, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. leaf peeping. If, if I didn't look at the trees, I would have to drive with my eyes closed. So. <laughs> I just, what about your sister? Did she peep? I don't know. She was busy working. <laughs> okay. Um, we stopped at a cute little, like, you know, like, a Dairy Queen style, but like from the fifties roadside stand. Hell yeah! What'd you get? We got curly fries. <gasps> um, but they had Pepsi, which I thought was rude. Um, that is very rude. And um, then yeah, we stopped in Pittsburgh, where I'd never been before. We stayed in a weird part of Pittsburgh, which is like the cultural district, which is like it just is empty because it's like where the theaters are and stuff. So oh okay. There was really no one around, which was kind of weird. Spooky. Um, it was a little spooky. And then we went to the most disgusting Mexican restaurant oh, on no. earth. Did they have tableside guacamole? <laughs> well, we got to go, so I don't really know because we, you know, it's COVID. So. What um, happens when you get tableside guacamole to go? Did the, <laughs> does the waiter come with you to your house? 
<laughs> I think that they do come to your house. Yeah. <laughs> they don't come. They don't That's come really your funny. It's like oh, they... <laughs> Got it. Got it. You want them in your house. That's amazing. That's a funny joke. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. We had a great time. It's really pretty. And we ended up stopping more frequently than I usually do. I'm usually like a real hard ass about just getting there as fast as possible. But we stopped a lot, which makes the trip a lot more enjoyable, especially when you are so crammed into the car. Like Shannon, like, didn't have any leg room because her seat was pushed so far forward because there was so much stuff crammed into the car. Oh, no. Did you drive the whole way? Yeah. Wow. And we went to the Airbnb in in Pittsburgh, and we had to, like, take my bike off of the car and bring the bike into the Airbnb because it's, like, on a bike rack that someone can just walk up and steal the bike. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad you made it okay, and I really miss you. Um, so because you've been traveling so much this week, I wanted to just give you a little break a Thanks. You're welcome. So I'm doing an episode which... <laughs> I have just decided to call. No, that's what I call food volume one. <laughs> you're going really just... to list off items of food. I'm just going to read you every food from every edible substance from A to Z. And I would, do, I would like you to remain reverse? silent. Can we do What's that? Can we do reverse alphabetical order just to mix it up? Z to A, no problem. We're going to yeah. start with ZD and zebra meat. <laughs> <laughs> zits um that's it for z uh no Zeppeli. just kidding so zeppelis of course how could i forget so <laughs> i am going to begin with a yo mama joke because i know that you love them <laughs> this Thank one you. is funny this one is your mom is so fat i took a picture of her last christmas and it's still printing <laughs> <laughs> what like at the CVS? Like, where That's is it? the CVS. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is an old joke. I mean, people aren't really writing new your mama material. So, Oh, speaking of old jokes, though, did you watch the debate last night? <laughs> I was hoping <laughs> you were going to say that. I accidentally turned it on for one minute. You had and... to read it? Was it No, I looked it, I looked at it on my phone. Um, uh, okay. And I immediately regret it. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish I hadn't sister. done it. My sister had it on. I did not watch it on purpose. Like, I was trying to avoid it, but I couldn't help I mean, overhearing. It's just one of those things where it's like, what did you expect? Like, and then there's like an uproar, you know, on social media. And it's like, can you believe it? Like, yes, I can believe it. It's not hard to believe. These two people are both suffering from dementia. Like, what's so hard to believe? Two 100-year-old like, guys yelling at each other. Like, who wants to watch that? I mean, and if I wanted to watch that, I would just put on the fucking Muppets. Like, or, I don't understand. Yeah, I watched Grumpy Old Man last night. That was more fun. Perfect. Grumpy Old Man is an amazing movie. So R.I.P. Jack Lemon. I know. And and Walter Matthau. Yes, that's true. We should. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Matthau. I hate Walter Matthau. <laughs> I love Walter Matthau. He's in Hello, Dolly. With Babs. Oh, and he's also in Dennis the Menace, which was mm. a cute movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch. Should we just list I, every Walter Matthau movie? <laughs> yeah, let's just. This is now a Walter Matthau podcast. I know that seems very fringe and unexpected, but so what? <laughs> the world's ending. You want to hear about food? Go somewhere else. Go listen to Bon Appetit or something. You just, just kidding. To Don't do that. The most relevant actor present day. <laughs> Today's Old, the favorite actor. <laughs> a dead white skeleton, Walter Matthau. <laughs> <laughs> 
Everything you've always wanted to know about Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. And Jack Benny. I do love Walter And Benny Goodman. Yeah, I like him too. He's he's good. But um, yeah, I watched a minute of the debates and I became ill. And so it was funny. Last night I was like, I had been working. I've just been working nonstop for the past few weeks, which is really awesome. But I was just really exhausted last night. And I was like, I need to just... um, veg out and watch something funny and like really lighthearted and so I'm like looking for what to watch and I was like I think I'm gonna watch a woman under the influence (laughs) I've never seen it wow (laughs) anyone who has never seen that it's John Cassavetes and it is not lighthearted at all um that has Peter and I didn't Peter Falk and um what is I can't what's um John Cassavetes wife's name who's in all his movies uh, the star. I I oh my gosh. It's right on the tip of my tongue. I'm going to have to look it up. It's going to really annoy me. Um, anyway, it was, it was great. She's amazing. Um, Gina Rollins. Jenna Rollins, right? of course. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She's still alive. She's like in her nineties. She still looks just great. Just like Angela Lansbury. Yeah. And just like Paul Newman's wife, which is, who's Paul Newman's wife? God damn it. Um, a blonde lady. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up right now. Anyway, I watched it. Um, it's a great movie. June Carter. <laughs> yes, it's June Carter. Joanne Woodward. Joanne Woodward. Right. We've had this problem before on the podcast. In fact, I remember when we did our Paul Newman episode, I implied that she uh, had perished, but she's still very much alive. So <laughs> this goes out to you, Joanne Woodward. This podcast is about elderly actors. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just tuning yeah. in we're talking about old people um yeah. i didn't care ossie davis who was in grumpy old man and i forgot about him he was on evening shade an excellent tv show starring burt reynolds i don't know this man i mean i ossie... know burt reynolds <laughs> ossie davis you... he was i'm pretty sure he's also gone um but he's black he dies in grumpy old man probably because they're like well we can't have the grandfather of a hundred year old Jack Lemon die. We have to have the black guy die. <laughs> I haven't seen Grubby Old Men since I was younger. I need to rewatch it. Also, it's I just Googled good. Paul Newman and I'm remembering I think I might have forgotten to include this in our Paul Newman episode. We share a birthday. He's my birthday twin. Whoa. I know. Isn't that amazing? I um, I feel blessed. <laughs> I was watching Grumpy Old Men last night and I realize that it's, it's actually at some points really difficult to watch because I can't, it's really hard for me to see old people being sad. So oh, yeah, there's like stuff that happens where like Jack Lemmon's going to lose his house and I'm like on the verge of tears because I'm like, no, he's old. <laughs> you know what I watched recently about old is on Golden Pond. Mm, um, yes. And there's a scene uh, where Peter, Henry Fonda, Henry Fonda shoots Fonda. out. Uh, the, the oldest, the elder Fonda, um, they get in like a boating accident and they like, they're going so slow. And then like the kid loses control of the boat and like drives into a rock and Fonda shoots, catapults out of the front of the boat. It must be a dummy because it, it doesn't look like they'd do that to a person. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. It's not meant to be funny at all, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I also, the reason why we started watching Grumpy Old Man is because one of the watching people network things was like you should watch out to sea which is another jack lemon walter matthau movie oh i've never seen that but it sucks even though it is like 
literally a parade of all old actors on a cruise. Oh, um, really? Yeah, but it's just really bad. But there's a scene where he falls over some luggage, and it's so obviously a stunt double in a really bad wig that it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he can't fall over luggage because he's 175. That's amazing. Um, yeah, no, I uh, to answer your earlier question, I didn't really watch the debates. It's truly the last thing I want to do to myself. I'm trying not to, like, infect my brain with, like, poisonous, terrible things. And go ahead and watch them if you want to, folks. But I don't know what you're expecting is going to happen. You know what I mean? It's like watching, yeah. I don't know. It's like watching a cockfight or something. No, the or... cockfight's way more interesting. <laughs> That's true. Um, should we get into our topic? Sure. Should we take a quick, so let's take a break first. Let's take a quick break. It's time for a break, everyone. Relax, okay? Calm down. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008, and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. We're back! Oh my god. I hope you're calm. I hope you're calm as calm as I am. I hope you're calm as a clam. I feel very calm. I'm relaxed as hell. Nothing's wrong at all. Um, okay, so I want to tell you a couple of things. Now, bear in mind, please, that there is almost no point to this episode, and it's really just a bunch of things that I think are interesting. <laughs> Great. That's what so, I call food. Yeah, that's what I call food, volume one. So I got my information today from historycollection.com, BuzzFeed, and another uh, source I'm not going to tell you because it will give away what I'm going to talk about. But um, so I have a couple of things I want to tell you about like weird things that people used to eat through history um, that are kind of grotesque and <laughs> will make you want to vom. <laughs> are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, cool. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is uh, ambergris, which is sperm whale excrement. Have you ever heard of this substance? Nope. Okay, so basically it's evacuated from the sperm whale, like from their intestine, and it floats in the ocean, and then it gets slow cooked by the sun, <laughs> and it's a vomit-like substance, and it hardens to become a large waxy mass, but it it's like not really expensive. It's not really poop. It's more like the lining of their intestines that just like sheds. So I am thinking it's kind of like period 
Hmm. more right like because when you have your period like the lining sheds so that's kind of what I'm thinking but I to be completely honest didn't look that far into it it sounds gross regardless of what the substance is the internet says that whale poop is worth more than gold yes it's very very expensive and so they use it in perfume they use it in Turkish cuisine they use it in wine the English and Dutch colonists like it in their eggs they say um not with a kiss, but with a spot of ambergris. Hmm. Um, another English recipe uh, was in, in uh, John Milton's Paradise Lost and contains a handwritten recommendation for melting ambergris onto roasted game before enclosing it in a pastry. The Italians also liked it, and Casanova apparently used ambergris as an aphrodisiac. Ew. I mean, can you imagine, as though we don't have to deal with enough bullshit from men, can you imagine someone coming over and being like, all right, now it's time for the whale, hardened whale vomit shit part of the <laughs> evening. <laughs> I know you're going to love this. <laughs> it's also flammable, apparently. How do you know so much about ambergris? This is supposed to be my episode. Do not upstage me. <laughs> do not steal my ambergris thunder. And yes, it is flammable. Hmm. Okay, look. I'm moving on. I got a lot of stuff to talk about here. Ambergris is gross. Avoid it at all costs. But if you okay. find it, save it because it's worth a lot of money. Well, it's um, also apparently very important to the ecology of the ocean. So maybe leave it where it is. Okay. Leave it. Listen, if you need the money, I'm not going to call the police on you <laughs> or ever. <laughs> so go ahead. <clears throat> okay. Now I'm going to talk to you about something called the cockentrice. Uh-oh. This is upsetting. Okay. The cockentrice was uh, developed in the Tudor age, and it's a half a pig, like a little pig, not a big giant pig, like a baby pig, and a half of a capon, which a capon is a rooster, and they cut each thing in half and sew them together. Um, like a turducken. Like a, mm, a little bit more diabolical than a turducken because it's like it's like um, a pig's head and like a rooster's bottom half of a body and I'd like to just go ahead on a tangent here and say that one time when I was like 22 years old I was at Union Pool with Rudy and we were partying as we did back in the day and uh, we came across this gentleman who was dressed in all like army fatigues with a helmet and a giant backpack and I was like what do you got in that bag what do you keep in your purse and he was like this is a bunch of dead animals that I have collected and sewn together to make different Frankenstein animals. And I was like, all right, I'm leaving. And Rudy <laughs> went home with him. <laughs> <laughs> also, lived. word of warning, if you Google cockatrice, it's going to be X-rated. <laughs> oh, really? What kind of <laughs> what kind of images are you seeing? Just lots of roosters? Lots of hot Just roosters in bikinis? A ton of pure naked dicks. Wow. All right, everyone, you heard it here first. Cockatrice. Um, are, are we talking like maybe three naked dicks because it's trice? I'm thinking three. Well, I close the window because I'm staying in my parents' okay. house. So anytime porn comes okay. up on my computer, I become alarmed and close it as quickly. Got it. <laughs> They're like, what kind of podcast is this you're doing? Not in my house. Um, okay. So fucking trice was very, very popular. And the story said it was first, the legend goes, it was first prepared for Henry the seventh. Um, sorry, I was trying to count the Roman numerals. Henry the Seventh in 1485, <laughs> but 
it also crops up on a menu of a banquet that was held in 1425. So that means it was made before him. But it doesn't really matter. It's gross and and scary. So to make it, you take a pig and a capon, right? What is a capon? Why don't they just call it a rooster? I don't know. I don't know. But you use capon to make um, traditional brodo for tortellini and brodo. It like... It's just how it's it's how it's done, okay. um, but the meat is is not really as good as chicken. Hmm. Anyway, you take them, you scald them, you drain them, you cut them both in half at the waist. Taking a needle and thread, you had to sew the back of the pig to the front of the capon and the back of the capon to the front of the pig. Oh, so you use all four parts. Exactly. Yeah. One of them has a pig head and one of them has a pig's bottom. I also am curious as to how you figure out where the waist is on a bird. (laughs) (laughs) I think of the waist on a bird being like just under its neck. That's the shoulders. Okay. You have to think about where, if you were going to put a pair of pants on a bird, where would you like the pants to begin and end? (laughs) Well, okay, so you have your neck's connected to your shoulders, and you just have, like, you know, a, a little bit of space, and then, the, I guess, the right in the center of its belly. Exactly. <laughs> the same as, as where pants go, uh, the waist goes on an egg, you know. Right. If you have an egg that's wearing clothes. <laughs> well, it's just harder because they only have two legs versus the pig has four legs, which is easy, 50-50. Exactly. You just cut that thing right in half. Anyway, then you stuff it as you would a pig, and then you glaze it with egg yolk, saffron, saffron, ginger, and parsley juice, which I found strange. The parsley juice part would turn it a bad color. You would think you'd want it to be more warm tones rather than greens. But but I feel like um, pig skin is so red. Like, it's not going to really show, right? <clears throat> well, then I don't know what the point of the parsley juice is, to be honest, but it also says that a lot of Tudor chefs didn't stop there. They would soak the cock and trice's head with brandy and then set it on fire. That's cute. Yeah. So it's like I mean, a centerpiece kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. But I think I people think like, got right into it. It's like table side guac. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You cannot get it to go. <laughs> you have to light the thing's head on fire at home. Imagine, like, that's what's going to start happening if some of these, like, fancy restaurants are going to be like, mm, can we get the cock and trays? But we'd like to light it on fire at home, please. Last time we got it pre-lit and it was kind of chewy. It was hard <laughs> to get it in the Uber because it was on fire. We got a bad But listen, I don't want you to knock parsley juice because we had that in the mignonette at the restaurant I used to work at, and it was good. No, parsley juice is completely fine. I'm I'm with it. It's delicious. They used a lot of parsley juice at Estella, R.I.P. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know its function here. But I guess I'll have to try to dust off my old cockatrice recipe and see see what happens. Now that I'm making all this babka, why not? Yeah, put it on your Instagram and see if it starts. You know. A craze, yeah. <laughs> sure, no problem. I just, you know, I'm loving this single life so much. I just really want to keep it going, and that's why I'm going to start sewing different animals together. <laughs> I also think that you know, there's like all these boring cooking shows where everyone just cooks stuff normally. But if you like did a beginning to end cock and dry show, that would be nice. <laughs> 
Like, hey guys, today we're gonna make butternut squash gnocchi. And I'm like, enough with that. Today we're making a fucking cock and trice. What's that? It's two animals sewed together and you light it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, this is the part where we're gonna soak its head in brandy and light it on fire. <laughs> and you know what? Treat yourself. Drink a little of the parsley juice for yourself while you're making it. <laughs> one for you, one for me. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Your cooking show can be like all foods from the 1400s or something. <laughs> uh, medieval times with Zara. I'm, mm-hmm. You know what? I don't give a shit what happened. We are going to have to start eating like we're from the 1400s. I hope everyone gets gets an appetite for cock and trice because it's what's for dinner in the new in this new era. No matter who wins the presidency, <laughs> we're exactly. fucked. Okay, let's move on. Next thing is roti sans parale, which literally means in French, roast without equal. Okay. So this is kind of like the great, great granddaddy of your favorite food and mine, the turducken. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Imagine you go on a first date with someone, you're like, so what's your favorite food? And they're like, like, not jokingly, they're like, turducken. (laughs) I'm like, I don't eat meat, but I do... Once a year, I eat turducken, all three. I get all three meats. <laughs> so look, this fucking thing is consists of no less than 17 birds stuffed inside each other. Oh, no. <laughs> it was invented by Alexandra Balthazar Laurent Guimon de la Rene. What was uh, his problem? Or her? Uh, Andre, I don't know. I think he probably had the same problem as the person who invented the cock and trice. He was actually he had, a serial killer. He had beef with birds. He's like, I hate these birds, and I'm going to shove one inside the other. Torture to animals is the first sign of, of being a serial killer. And but they're already I think, dead. Is it torture for the animals or for the people that have to eat it? I, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so he published a recipe uh, in 1807, and I'm going to read you an order from smallest to largest, the different birds that are involved in this menagerie. Um, okay. <clears throat> okay, so you begin... <laughs> You begin with a wob a wobbler, and uh-huh. the wobbler is stuffed with an olive, and the olive is stuffed with an anchovy, and that is stuffed with one single caper. <laughs> ah! Ah! I can't handle this. It's too funny. One single caper is not one... going to do much. Who imagine the lucky person that gets the fucking caper after they get through the rest of this piece of garbage all right so i'm not gonna recognize any of these fucking bird names just these are these are fringe birds my friend these are fringe birds so okay then that thing then the what did i say this was uh then the wobbler gets stuffed inside a bunting the bunting gets stuffed inside a lark okay (laughs) i know what that is all those dudes get shoved up into a thrush okay heard of that the thrush goes into a quail heard definitely heard of a quail a Dan quail. And that goes inside of a lopping. I'm assuming that's bigger than a quail. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Oh, at this point, nobody knows. That goes inside one single caper. Just kidding. Uh, that goes into a plover, which we see at the beach at Robin all the time. All right. So in my mind, we're already bigger than the plover. Okay. Got it. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> basically, the first thing is a glorified butterfly. <laughs> so that goes inside a plover, which goes inside a partridge, which goes inside a pear tree, a, a pear tree, which goes inside a woodcock. Okay, heard of those. Which goes inside a teal. How do you which, spell that? Teal, T E A L. 
Like the color. Okay. Correct. Which goes inside a guinea fowl. Heard of those. Which, which goes inside a duck. Oh, definitely heard of that. And now, listen to me. Now, this is the part that I find to be very, very wrong about this whole ostrich? thing. Which, Are we getting no, into the an duck, ostrich? No, that would be great, though. It should go in an ostrich. Um, no, it goes, the duck goes inside a chicken. Don't you think the chicken would go in the duck? Well, what happens in a turducken? I don't know. Anyway, then that all, all that goes into a pheasant, goes into a goose, goes into a turkey. And finally, it all finishes up <laughs> inside of a giant buzzard. A buzzard? <laughs> Jesus. A buzzard. Shopping a for buzzard. this be, it would be really hard to shop for this, especially because the pecking clovers are endangered. Exactly. And then you have to go catch a buzzard. I mean, truly. So those are some of the disgusting things that I found that made me giggle. What do you and do then, then? What do you do after you do that? You just let it rot in the sun. <laughs> you let it cook Ew. in the sun. And you're like, what have I done? And you jump off a bridge because you feel ashamed of the person you've become shoving all those animals inside of each other. <laughs> There's so <laughs> many. Just... I don't actually know what happens with a turducken, but are there bones still? Like, or just, just, like, I don't think so. No. A- so you debone a teeny tiny bird and yeah. shove it into an olive, and then you shove that. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get a bird small enough to shove into the middle of an olive. Okay? I think like this person needs to have sex, and this is just like they're like they need to get laid, and this bird came out of that. Yes, exactly. This thing is wild, though. Okay. All right. Well, sounds Mo- great. Moving on. Now I'm going to tell you just some random facts about different things involving food. So this I found on BuzzFeed, and it's about pozole, the Mexican stew, which I love. Do you love pozole? How do you feel about hominy? Hominy is great. I love a starchy food of any kind. Okay. Um, So anyway, pozole used to be, uh, was originally prepared for Aztecs, and instead of using pork, uh, by the Aztecs, but instead of using pork, they would use human flesh. Right, they were into that. Right, so I know everybody is so up on making things like the authentic way. So just for all of you guys at home, if you want to make a really authentic um, pozole, as I'm sure we all do, you're going to need to use people. Pozole is made of people. We we have a lot of, if you listen to our whole whole podcast from start to finish, you can probably get enough information on how to do that. Because we talk about that that guy who killed his wife and boiled her to death. Oh, right, right, right. Exactly. You boil her body yeah. until it like comes into little pieces, and then um, we talk about how human sacrifice is good for like eternal life or whatever. The I can't remember what the Aztecs believed in, but something along those lines. Um, yeah. So yeah, you got plenty of info. Plus, everybody hates each other so much lately. I mean, why not just go ahead and put somebody in a pozole? Am I right? Yeah. Let's just like raise Tutankhamun from the dead or whatever, and start fresh. <laughs> 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 raise tune and comment from the dead and start fresh. <laughs> All right, this next fact is disgusting because, well, for a lot of reasons, but mostly it's off-putting because of the current germaphobic situation we're in currently. Um, in the early 1900s, a lick full of ice cream was served in a small glass container called Penny Licks. The customer would lick the glass clean and return it to the vendor who would then reuse the glass for their next customer. They would wash it out first, though, probably. I don't know. It says they would just reuse it. I can't imagine anyone being that lazy or wanting to participate in that. But I can't imagine anybody 
paying money for one lake of ice cream. This is why we're obese now. (laughs) (laughs) One lick used to be all you needed. Now, yeah. Now you need like 25 million licks. Okay. Cool Whip, Pop Rocks, and Tang were all invented by the same person. What? Yeah. Cool Whip and Pop Rocks? Was this guy a scientist? Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't read too much about him. I We could expand on this another episode, but I was like, I had okay. too much information to get through. But I thought it was very interesting, and you would like to hear that. I but it makes sense, interested. right? Because they're all, yeah, they're all, like, kind of weird and scientific. The Pop Rocks and the Tang make sense together, and I can see Cool Whip, too. Well, Tang this guy's an American the, hero. The Tang was for the astronauts, was it not? Ooh, let's do an, ooh, we can do a space episode next week. How'd you like that, everyone? <laughs> Except for me, because I'm afraid of space. But that's fine. I'll face right, my fears. Right in. Yeah. Also, Zara's never seen any space movies, so. I've seen Spaceballs. I've seen Alien. But not Star Wars. I've seen Star Trek. You know what it is? I think I've mentioned this before, but my dad, right when my parents got divorced and he, like, moved into, like, a tiny little, like, studio thing, um... He was very depressed and definitely, like, was staying up all night and drinking. And I would, like, wake up in the middle of the night not really knowing where I was. And I'd go out to the living room. And they would they used to play, like, Star Trek all night long on Channel 11. Yes, they did. And I'd, just, I'd be like, Dad, are you okay? And he was just, like, watching Star Trek and, like, drinking and, like, eating ice cream. And I was like, oh, this is depressing. So ever since then, I've just never liked space. That's where mm. it comes from. To me, that sounds like a dream way to spend an evening. I mean, he loved, he clearly liked space, but it really had a, a very traumatizing impact on me seeing my father in that state crying <laughs> watching Star Trek. Oh, he was crying. Um, you didn't put that in there. Yeah, yeah. He was upset. Um, okay. So I'm now going to tell you about a diet called the wine and eggs diet. It's a three-day long diet and you're supposed to lose five pounds. Oh, I know um, about this diet. Okay. This is a funny diet. You eat for breakfast one egg hard boiled. You have one glass of white wine dry preferably a chablis and black coffee for lunch you have two eggs hard boiled is best but poached if necessary <laughs> like Ew. so Can you imagine why would that be necessary <laughs> no and you are it's supposed like to have two glasses of wine yeah just slurping them out of your hand and two glasses of wine and black coffee yeah and then for dinner, you need to have a five-ounce steak grilled with black pepper, lemon juice, uh, and the remainder of the wine <laughs> and more coffee. Yeah, so I, I've i read about this diet, and also I read a woman did the diet. So, like, she did the diet for five days, and she's literally, like, drinking two glasses of wine at work and getting drunk because <laughs> she's only <laughs> at eggs for lunch. <laughs> Um, That's also, funny. the thing is, when people do these diets, I feel like they're just so like they're like I can skip meals and I'm totally fine for the most yeah. part. And some people just say how very they're like I have to eat. So this woman was like really losing it because she had to eat eggs and wine and steak. Um, but That's I was hilarious. like, I think this would be totally fine. I could totally handle this diet. I would do it. She also did lose five pounds. Um, I mean, I would skip, though, what I would do with this diet is I would skip breakfast altogether because I don't normally like breakfast. So I would just take that one egg, move that egg for, for down for dinner so I'm having a steak with an egg. And then, and also the wine. I don't want to wake up and drink wine. So I would have just, breakfast like... Breakfast wine sounds weird. I mean, I've definitely yeah. had a mimosa millions of times in my life, but... 
Just right. having I'm a not... Chablis at 8 a.m. sounds weird. No, like why? But, but why, I ask. Diet. <laughs> um, Bri- Bre- Brian. Breton and I did an episode about diets, which I think we should redo. It was actually a funny one, but like um, I would love to like re-examine the diet episode because I know like that's a topic that you would find interesting too. Yeah. But there was one diet on there that I found that was called the Avoiding Swamps Diet. And the whole diet was based around just like staying away from swamps. <laughs> Right, which you mentioned before, because I was like, it's really hard to do that if you're an alligator, but I don't remember Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, (laughs) because I have, like, three jokes I think are funny, and just continue to repeat them. Okay, Hawaiian Uh, pizza was was not invented in Hawaii. Guess where it was invented? California. No, but close. A place that starts with a C. Colorado. Mm Mm-mm, no. Canada. Chile. (laughs) (laughs) Chile. No, Canada. Crazy Canucks. Those bastards. I know. Fucking Canada. Give us something we want, like healthcare, not Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> Why can't you trickle down your healthcare across the border? Yeah, give us some of that good healthcare and that maple That's, syrup. Yeah, right? what are you doing? Is he still the guy, the prime minister? Trudeau, yeah. He's hot, although embroiled in a very sticky and yucky blackface scandal, which yeah, people seem to have school. just swept under the rug. Um, okay. When you eat figs, technically you're also eating wasps because a wasp in order to pollinate the fig needs to like go inside of it, but then it gets trapped in there and basically it dissolves inside the fig. I also knew that. And interestingly, I forced my sister, I cannot remember why this was, but on our drive, I made her look up where and how agriculture started and to see if I was right about my, what I remembered from school about the fertile crescent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Love the Fertile Crescent. So fertile. And they're like, well, they found seedless fig trees, which means that they had been planted. And like, basically, they were being used for agriculture, like, you know, in the year, like, 400 or something. Amazing. So the last thing I want to say is I was, I was Googling early this morning, and I have a little bit of a hangover. I had like one and a half glasses of wine, but I just felt really hang, hungover today when I woke up. I was like looking in bed at, um, you know, like the topic and I'm like Googling crazy food history, blah, blah, blah. And so like (laughs) this article came up with like different food histories and it came up with Crepe Suzette. And so I looked at it and it just made me laugh so hard. Like the description of that this one thing has, like, I don't even think it's that interesting, but from wonderlist.com. This is, I'm just going to read you exactly what it says. Okay. <laughs> when a famous person expects something from us, our stress levels go haywire. <laughs> we're, <laughs> That's too, we're, like too scared, we're too scared to move and too nervous to think, which sets the stage for potential failure. <laughs> this is exactly what happened to Henri Chantepere. Uh, he was a 14-year-old waiter who worked at Monte Carlo's Cafe in Paris, accompanied by his uncle, the famous chef Escoffier. His task was to serve crepes to the Prince of Wales. Turns out he was right to panic. He accidentally spilled some brandy on the flames and flambéed the crepes, and Henri couldn't exactly make the Prince of Wales wait. He tested the creation, and, luck- and luckily he actually liked it. Serving an accidental dish to a prince was surely terrifying gamble. Luckily, the prince loved it. 
His name, <laughs> he named the dish Crepe Suzette in honor of a woman who was dining with him. The next day, Henri received a jeweled ring and a Panama hat and a cane for his service. As what? for the Crepe Suzette, it became the world most, it became a world famous dish. And they all lived happily ever after. And the folks, and that folks is amongst the most bizarre food origin story. So this, a Panama hat? What year was this? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess when was a Scofier around in the 1800s? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know either. I think it's the 1800s though. Um, and then this what? is from your Wait, favorite so website. I don't oh, know what, a, I guess you just, a crepe Suzette is just like a crepe that's been set on fire? With like orange. Oh. Um, okay. Um, okay, hang on. Let's see when Escoffier was alive. Um Do you guys like listening yeah, to Yeah, eighteen hundreds. Eighteen forty six. What's that? Is it listeners, do you like listening to us Google? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's listening. Um, okay, and this is from your favorite website, uh, crepecuisine.com. <laughs> Wait, what is it? Crepe. Crepescuisine.com. <laughs> that is my favorite website. It starts with a Z. Zesty boozy and with a scent of risque, Crepe Suzette has been described <laughs> as the most famous of all haute cuisine pancake creations and is undoubtedly the queen of retro desserts. Okay, somebody was like, we need to find out what the most famous pancake dessert is. <laughs> <laughs> what about the blints? That's what I'm trying to say. Sounds yeah. like some anti-Semitism up here on crepescuisine.com. Yeah, for sure. People love blintzes. And um, that's all I have. That's all the information I have. I know it's random, it's bizarre, but it's silly. <laughs> and that's what uh, I call food. We need to start a letter writing campaign against crepescuisine.com. Yeah, please. Big boycott. Crepescuisine.com, you're canceled. Also, listen, I don't, really care, I don't care about crepes. Why are there whole, like, little stands that are just crepes? I don't, why? I feel like crepes are one of those things that Americans learned about in the 1970s when, like, European cuisine was very famous um, and, like, very whatever, like, on trend. And... Crepes were one of those things that people were like, Americans are going to love crepes. Look, they're going to be eating crepes left and right. It's just like pizza. And you know what? People are fine with crepes, but they don't love them. It's no. hard to crave a crepe. I'm not, I'm never like, Ooh, you know what? I really want crepes, a pile of crepes. <laughs> I can't imagine anything more disappointing than like being hungry and walking around and the person that you're with is like, Ooh, let's get crepes. <laughs> I would be crushed. But you know what? I am going to say about the crepes. Okay. So crepes are big in Wisconsin. <laughs> And my friend Erin, who is a listener, um, Erin, love you. Her and her husband, Anthony, took me out for crepes in, um, oh. yeah, where they're from in, in Milwaukee. And these crepes were delicious. What's rude? Milk being from Milwaukee? Or taking me out for crepes? I'm going to tell you right now, these crepes were delicious. I had like, like a huevos ranchero style crepe. Pfft, it was awesome. So uh, my mind has actually now been changed about crepes. What's through one? remembering my own life. <laughs> uh, you you had that crepe many, many, many months ago, but your mind just now changed. This is suspicious. I just remember it. I love crepes. No, I'm just kidding. I I do really like them. I just don't think like here in, in New York City, they've really taken off. You know what I do? I mean, Crispelle are crepes and, and, and Manigot. I don't know what Manigot is. Manicotti. 
But that's a noodle to me, is it not? No, it's a crepe. You make manicotti with a crepe. Huh, who knew? Um, I what did. is the one with like sour cream and caviar? Is that a blintz? That's a bellini. Oh, bellini. That's right. Is that's that a not crepe? a crepe. No. <laughs> Heavens no. That's a tiny baby pancake. That's a pancake for a baby, which but, I could make okay. store in my crepe, new refrigerator. A crepe is a pancake, according to fucking crepescuisine.com. <sighs> crepescuisine.com. You're getting a letter from my lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be hearing from us. Okay. I don't know why, but I'm upset. I know that. Yeah. I know I feel upset. Um, I'd like to end this episode by asking you a very generic question, which uh, for our top three today, which is what are your top three favorite foods? <laughs> I feel like I've already answered this on every episode, but in case you guys have forgotten, nachos, um... That's it. <laughs> okay. Perfect. My friend yeah. Anthony Sasso, who also listens to the show, who I hate. Yes. <laughs> um, just, we were talking on the phone yesterday and he was like, I don't, I went to the Commodore the other day and the nachos were gross. And That's at true. first I wanted to, I wanted to find him and hurt him because I was feeling like he was just saying that to hurt my feelings. But yeah. then he described them and it sounded like maybe... They could have been gross and, like, just had an off night. But I would just like to say that if anyone is listening and debating whether or not you should get nachos from the Commodore, you should. And you should also boycott Anthony Sasso because he's a monster. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is that the owners own two other places where they serve the nachos. Although I think one of them closed. But um, uh. I've had nachos at both of those other places and they're not as good. So maybe if they, like, mm. had to bring that bad nacho chef over because of COVID or something. And sometimes right. he works. The bad um, nacho chef. I'm just <laughs> picturing what that person it looks like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he looks like. If, if I knew, I would find him I, and kill him. I but, think um, I'm picturing someone, a chicken t- <laughs> sewed to a pig. <laughs> I'm just picturing a guy in like a metal t-shirt working at the Commodore. But so, but what did he say? Were they too like wet, or what was what was he the said, problem? Well, this is this was my indication that something had gone wrong because <laughs> he said that they didn't that there was a big centralized blob of sour cream on them, which is there's not never, that never they, happens. They don't have sour cream. They have that crema that they drizzle over the top in a squeezy. Yeah. So I'm like, if you got a blob of sour cream, it's definitely the evil nacho chef from the Great Beyond. Mm. Yeah, a.k.a. Joe just, Biden. <laughs> was he just, like, not used to the white cheese? Did he think it was... I don't really know what his problem is. Anthony, I know you're listening right now and stewing with rage. <laughs> but um, if you want to... <laughs> that's what you get. You get called out publicly. Um, no, but I take... I, I would actually take his opinion. I mean, he's a great... has a great palate. And he's a great person and opening a restaurant in Kingston in the spring. So you can all look out for that. Don't actually boycott him. That was a joke. Um, Nobody will remember what it is. Everyone shut this episode off already. But so oh. I actually have a, a good way to end this show because I am, I have a car here in Indiana, but it's like an old car that my sister used to drive and the speedometer doesn't work and the gas gauge doesn't work. And it has a mm. CD player only. So you can't actually get your phone to play on it. Like there, it's a, no tape player just a cd player right um so i was just like what am i gonna do i have to like buy cds because i've already decided that i'm gonna start buying dvds because i'm like 
fuck all these streaming networks. It, I can never find what I want to watch. They never have any old movies on there. Um, right. So I'm regressing, and I'm going to have to buy DVDs and CDs. Thankfully, no one else wants them, so they're really cheap. But my dad well, has a bunch of CDs, and I'm just going to list you some of the CDs that I'm going to listen to oh my God, in my thank you. car. So we have The Best of Earth, Wind, and Fire, Volume 1. Amazing. George Strait, very excited about this. Troubadour is the album. Great. Love Troubadour. Uh, the Beatles, I don't think so. Really? Which album? It says love. Mm-hmm. John Cougar mm. Mellencamp. Mm. American Fool. Guys, it's- someone with the middle name of Cougar, you got to trust a person like that. Yeah. Um, this is a lot of John Mellencamp here. I think we might have his entire discography. Uh-oh, Super it sounds like you got to talk to your dad. Super Tramp Classics Volume 9. Super Tramp is my dad's favorite band. Really? Oh, yeah. More Mellencamp. Hmm. Rascal Flats. We won't be listening to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Travis, my first celebrity crush. Wow. Oh, no, Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, hey, listen, don't, don't. Just miss Sarah McLaughlin. You might get in a mood where you need a little McLaughlin in your life. You might have one of those uh, days, a little PMS, a little McLaughlin. I don't know if that's going to happen. Trisha Yearwood, hell yeah. And that's it. What else? Oh, yeah, and Enya. You got Enya in here. Oh, wow. I need to meet this daddy of yours. You said he's good-looking and he has an Enya CD? Yeah, I'm pretty sure these might be mixed in with some. I don't think my dad would ever buy a Sarah McLaughlin CD. I think these are mine from high school or something. Okay. Well, you never know. Maybe you're going to learn some new stuff about your dad in this experience. <laughs> um, I love you. What a fun time. What a giggle fest. Yeah. What an interesting story about how birds have been mistreated in cooking. <laughs> Guys, the moral of the story is look out for the birds. Protect them. If you see one that's very, very small, shove it inside an olive and bite it in half. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, listen, um, I have to go back to kneeling on the ground to look and see what's inside my refrigerator, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to find something nice and easy to watch tonight, like something like heartwarming, like, I don't know, I was thinking maybe <clears throat> The Crucible. <laughs> <laughs> the Crucible. <laughs> Do you remember in my note to my love letter to Leonardo DiCaprio, which I read on air, I was like, I said that, oh no, wait, I was talking about Romeo and Juliet. Okay, so with the Crucible, when I was in sixth grade, I went to a drama camp, and I played Abigail Williams in the, Cru- in the Crucible. Is that and, when you a writer? Yeah. And so I told, when then the movie came out, like, the next year, and I remember sitting in the theater with my mom and my stepdad and being, like, out loud so other people can hear it, saying that I knew the people in the movie because I had been in the play. Like, that's what a name <laughs> dropper I was. You're I was like, like oh, yeah. yeah. I know me, her. Me and Winona Ryder are tight. We were in camp together. You're just like Liar. yelling this out in the middle of a really scary slow movie. I was like, I know her. We were at UCM <laughs> camp for the arts together. Huh? Her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We go way back. It's Claire Danes, my best friend. <laughs> you don't believe me? Look at my little black book. Her name's right here. <laughs> Look at this picture I ripped out of her from a magazine that I have in my pocket. <clears throat> Anyway, on that note, yeah, I'm going to go watch something um, something calming. Okay. Um, like Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, what a 
terrible soundtrack. <laughs> really bad. Okay, I love you. Um, can't wait to talk to you again next week since I don't get to see you in person anymore. Um, <laughs> and okay. pasta. Bye, everybody. Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.